Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Dan Martell, founder of SaaS Academy. And if you want to learn how to successfully build your world-class relationships, you should be listening to Build Your Network Podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Build Your Network Podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with the one, the only Dan Martell. Dan is a serial entrepreneur having built several multi-million dollar technology companies starting at the age of 17. He's also an award-winning angel investor having invested in companies like Intercom, Udemy, Hootsuite, Unbounce, and today he's an executive coach focused exclusively on B2B SaaS, working with the founders from ClickFunnels, Proposify, Carrot, and many others to help scale their businesses. He splits his time between Canada, where he grew up, and San Diego, where his wife, Renee, and his two boys are. Dan, this is going to be such an amazing conversation, guys. I can't wait for you to hear some of the things that we're going to talk about in this episode. But first, really quickly, if you're a seven-figure entrepreneur, and you know the importance of having a podcast, and you know how much credibility and authority a podcast could drive for you and your business, and know, like, and trust with your ideal customer, whatever the reason is, you know that you need one, but you just don't have the time or team or resources to dedicate to it to figure it all out. And have me and my team build that for you. Head over to travischapel.com slash makemypodcast. There's a quick application. We'll jump on a phone call to see if we'd be a good fit to build out a show for you. So you can focus on what you're good at, which is running your company, servicing your clients. We can focus on what we're good at, which is building world-class podcasts. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. Dan, what's up, man? Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. 
Travis, absolutely my pleasure, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Of course. So for the folks out there who may not know who you are, I always love to go to the very beginning here and build some context. And when I say the very beginning, I'm talking like pretty much the beginning. All right. So let's go take it all the way back. Middle school, Dan Martell, 12, 13 years old. What are you up to back then? Yeah, I mean, somebody asked me once, they said, what did your childhood smell like? And I thought that was a neat way to ask the question. I mean, my uh, short story long is I grew up second oldest of four. My mom was an alcoholic. My dad was in sales, traveling quite a bit. And uh, I got diagnosed when I was ADHD, or I got diagnosed when I was 11 with ADHD. And uh, for years, I thought I was broken and there was something wrong with me. I ended up getting uh, taken out of my house uh, due to some anger issues I had, put into foster care. That didn't work out. I was a horrible foster child. Then put into group homes, crisis centers. I mean, my life just spiraled out of control. And when I was 13, I discovered drugs and that's when things really accelerated to the point that by the time I was 17, uh, I'd already been in jail once and I found myself high and drunk in a stolen car with a handgun in a bag sitting next to me because I said if I got caught by the police, I was going to let them do their job and routine roadblock coming off the highway to get some gas ended up getting into a high-speed chase. And as I came around a turn, you know, I tried to hide into this guy's garage and end up smashing into the side of the house and went for the handgun and uh, kept pulling on it and it got stuck and, you know, pulling on it. And next thing you know, the doors open, the police grabbed me and, you know, my feet didn't even touch the ground and threw me in the back of a cop car. And I woke up the next day sober in a jail cell. Somebody must've been looking out for me. And um, I ended up going to adult jail for the severity of my crimes. I was 17 at the time. Got released into, after six months, a uh, rehab center called Portage. And, you know, this place literally saved my life. What was unique about it was that all the staff were ex-drug addicts. You know, so getting advice from people who've been there before is something I learned at 17. I did 11 months of therapy, rebuilding relationship with my family, my friends, rebuilding my self-confidence. You know, I had, I had no self-esteem. And it was at the end of that program, I was helping Rick, the maintenance guy, clean out a cabin. I found this uh, old 486 computer with a yellow book on Java programming sitting next to it. I never touched a computer. Huh. And uh, I opened it up and followed what I thought was hexadecimal. You know, programming software is like, you know, zeros and ones. And it read like English. So I just followed through the first chapter and uh, I got the computer to say, hello world. So I thought I was a genius. I literally, there was this like weird, like I had this crazy false sense of confidence that maybe, you know, the reason I was so misunderstood and chaotic growing up was because something, you know, spoke to me. And what happened was that programming became my new addiction, you know, obviously a positive one. My dad always joked, he said, if you could just find something you're passionate about that isn't illegal, I think you'd do well. So luckily that was software. And, uh, Getting out shortly after, I'd always had entrepreneurial uh, strides in me, you know, street smart, selling drugs, et cetera. And I just started building software. And since then, I've been super lucky and blessed to have had a career where I've built five companies, exited the last three, raised venture capital twice, invested in 40 plus entrepreneurs as an angel investor. And today I've got the privilege of coaching literally the coolest, smartest, funnest B2B software, SaaS stands for software as a service. A lot of people always ask me. That's kind of like literally 20, well, I'm 40 now. So 23 or you know, 30 years and no, four I minutes. Gonna, I was going to say that pretty much wraps up this interview because none of that was interesting enough to continue talking about. So yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I, uh, next time I'll work on my... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, the, so crazy, the, the chaos, yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously crazy story. And it's not typical. It's not something that you hear a lot of times. And especially when you talk with people, when you talk with the version of you that you are now and you hear like, okay, this guy started 
program when he was 17 years old. He must have had like this great, you know, childhood that led up to him being able to figure this stuff out because he was just so like, you know, properly poised to take advantage of the opportunities that life threw at him. And it's just obviously the complete opposite of that is really what happened. And it sounded like really as a teenager, you just had a big chip on your shoulder, probably due to, you know, dad being gone, mom being basically gone mentally from your childhood. And mm-hmm. you just had a lot of things to work through. Luckily for you, it ended up turning into your favor later on. And you Props to you for being that age and actually willing to listen to the people that were ahead of you and and a little bit further down the road because a lot of times we can be super stubborn at that age thinking that we know everything. And so it was, you know, like I said, props to you for being able to get into that program when you were that age and talk with people who had gone a little bit further down that road and started realizing like, you know, I don't think I like the end game here. (laughs) You know what I mean? Let's go ahead and adjust and find something different. So talk to me about what happened for you the very first software build that you ever put out there. I know you said that you felt like you were a genius when you got the computer to say hello world. So was that a similar feeling when you like launched your first product? Well, I mean, so there's the story I tell the world, which was this maritime vacation app that my dad had cottages and you know, he kept getting the same phone calls. So I built this app. But the real story is the first thing I ever built that I sold was a application that you would install on your computer and it would download a list a file using FTP, which is a protocol. Anyways, uh, download the file and tell you all the songs I had downloaded from Napster. And then you could create a CD that I would burn and you'd pay me 20 bucks. The problem I was trying to solve with the software is my friends would come over to my house and try to build like their own mix CD for themselves or their girlfriend and then spend three hours on my computer. So I wanted them to do that off my computer on their computer, but then at night be able to just say, you know, burn CD and it would grab all the files and and send it out. So that, I mean, that's, you know, what's true. Like Travis, I've continued that for the rest of my life in the sense that I solved my own problem. Like Mm. every business, every idea, all my innovation starts, all my investments, like it's, do I have this problem? And do I think there's a better way? And I just happened to make software my tool for doing that. So that was the first thing that I ever got paid for that I built in code was essentially an illegal CD burning app. (laughs) Uh, Off of that. (laughs) A little still illegal, but it got me in the right direction. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, that's a step forward. Luckily, I was sober. It's it's not drugs anymore. Can't be perfect right out of the gate, people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, okay. So then what's build number two? What's money-making thing number two? There were so many different little widgets and scripts I built. You know, I tried to build a site for like extreme sports people. I built actually, um, funny enough, it was a photo sharing social network I built for my friends because again, I had a CD, I had an early digital camera, people kept asking me for the photos. So I built, and this was my sneak, you know, like here, I'm 20 years old when I built this thing. I wanted to see which girls were looking at my pictures. So I actually built it so that you had to log in so I could track people. I mean, this is like early Facebook idea, you know, the whole like whatever they called it. I mean, th- this is the thing. So did I make money on that one? I, I ran advertising on it and uh, that didn't work. It was, I think it was actually called wegotdrunk.com. I don't even drink. I just, you know, <laughs> thought it was a funny name. And that was predominantly the theme behind most of the photos that we uploaded on that site. But like, you know, Maritime Vacation was the thing that actually like really made money. And that was, you know, solving a problem for my dad. You know, I convinced him to give me the money to build it, telling him it was a, it was a lot more expensive. He's like, how much is it going to cost? I was like, well, probably like $3,000. He's like $3,000 for a webpage. And I'm like, but the whole reason is I wanted him to pay me so I could pay for a server, which back then was like real money. It's not like Amazon web services today. So I had to pay for a server so that I can run this programming language called cold fusion. So I could learn it to build it. So I essentially used my dad to fund R and D in my world. I literally, when I got out of rehab, 
my dad said, any book you actually read, I will pay for. And he bought me probably 150 tech books, not, not business books. Like I didn't even learn business until like you know, when I was 23. And Maritime Vacation was essentially Airbnb, more like Zillow's or VRBO. So just like people manage their profiles, but for rentals on the East Coast, so that's why I call it Maritime Vacation, which is Maritime's East Coast Canada, where I grew up. Here's what, what screwed up. One, I called it MaritimeVacation.ca. So the guy that owned at thecottage.com, crush me. I mean, it's just dot, dot coms. You know, people always ask me, does it matter? Yes, it matters. Mm-hmm. You can get the dot com, get the dot com. So I wasn't thinking big enough. So that's like problem one. You know, people just don't plan for success. I was not even in that right headspace. And then the other thing I learned, even though it ended up failing, was the idea of marketing. I was building a bunch of stuff. Yes, I built it for myself. So if nobody else used it, my life got better. But this one, I really wanted to figure out how to get in front of these cottage owners. And uh, luckily, this weird conversation with this guy, Dave, who was like a total burnout. You know, I think he was high when he gave me this idea. But I was like, dude, how do I get people to know about this website? And he goes like, hey, man, isn't there like a tourism guide that lists everything? people that if they have a site or not and the ones that don't you can just call them and i was like holy shit you're right like literally the government spent hundreds of thousands of dollars every year to create a tourism guide that lists all the bed and breakfasts and all the cottage owners that were paying to be in this guide for people traveling this is 1998 (laughs) then figured out how to do a mail merge using microsoft access and, and word and got my little brother Mo to sit there i think i paid him like four bucks an hour to enter in because I had to take the physical tourism guide into the database, create the mail merge. And it literally was a full on mail spam thing that said, Hey, if you want a web page for your listing, you know, we're a maritime vacation, send us uh, fill out this form, uh, three photos. And if you want your photos back, I think it was like 25 bucks a listing. If you want your photos back, add an extra $5 and sent out like hundreds of these. And I remember like two weeks later, my dad like came in the house or we were living in an apartment, came in the apartment with like a handful of mail and like, what is this, Dan? He was like really suspicious. And I was like, there's no way. Like, so we started opening it and people filled out the form. These are like old school bed and breakfast owners, you know, like 60 year old retirees and put cash in the envelope. And my dad for right off the bat said, what did you do? Like he, I could tell he thought like, <laughs> going, going what are you doing? Yeah. Yes. Like, you need to show me what you're doing. And then I had to confess to him that not only did I build his site, but I built it in a way that I could build hundreds of others, you know, easily. And that was maritime vacation. So it made like, you know, 18 grand or something, but I, uh, you know, I moved on and and somebody else had a better product and I didn't feel like maintaining it. But that was like the first time I made a dollar on the internet with somebody I didn't know. I felt like I always tell people, if you can do that, it's not your cousin, your mom, you know, relative, then you've gone pro making a dollar on the internet is a big deal. Yeah. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. 
You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is. The fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So that was going to be my next question actually was about marketing because obviously at some point you figured out that that old adage of if you built it, they will come is complete, you know, horseshit. And uh, and people don't just discover you just because you built something cool. So what you said, you were 23 when you really started getting into that world. What did that look like? What were things that you were looking for? Were you studying different people, reading different books? What was that like for you? I feel stupid saying this, but I read a hundred plus tech books. I became a Microsoft certified developer. I learned every programming language. I learned database design architecture, like, cause I didn't get any formal education. I just like studied and I kind of floundered in the entrepreneurial world. Like didn't understand that you should have a team, didn't understand, you know, business, marketing, planning, strategy, none of it. I just kept building stuff, building stuff. And then it was, I was 23. I was consulting for this big company and uh, I was at uh, having lunch in uh, Ottawa. I was I was working for a company in Ottawa, essentially our FAA, our our, our flight, you know, in Canada. And um, at lunch, I walked into a bookstore and I saw this book called "Love Is a Killer App" by Tim Sanders. And I'd never read a business book, right? But I was just so fed up of like not making progress in this entrepreneurial world. You know, I thought I'd be a millionaire at that point. Uh, you know, dot com happened. I was part of it. Totally blew up in my face. So I was just like totally deflated. And, um, you know, I just remember like, you know, people talk about personal development, people talk about business and marketing and books. So like, maybe I should start. And I was allergic to reading because my ADHD, I couldn't focus so much so that I didn't even buy a book. I bought, um, I bought a CD ROM. So it was an audio book and that shifted everything, man. It was like this guy, Tim Sanders, who was the ex COO of Yahoo. So that resonated with me, you know, it said CRO or whatever. He was like chief love officer of Yahoo. And he wrote this book. And it was these three principles of like acquire knowledge for your network, like learn for other people. That was like, what? You're telling me I should study for my customer? That's Mm -hmm. fascinating. Two, uh, your network is your net worth, which I know you're a big fan of. So like who you know matters a lot. And then third was be a good person. Like good things happen to good people. And at that point, I always thought rich people were just a bunch of ding-dongs, like bad people that took advantage of people. I don't know why that's just like the script that ran in my head as a young kid, sure. you know, from the family members I spent time with, they were like, anybody had money must've did something. They were just unethical. Yeah. So it was like, so refreshing. And that just set me down on a path. I've now read over 800 business books. I mean, it's part of my daily routine, but you know, it took me a decade to finally meet him. I emailed him every year with an update. And then finally, 10 years in, I, or it was even longer because it was probably five years ago. He reached out because he saw what I was doing on YouTube. And he said, I'd oh, love nice. to get your advice on YouTube. I'm like, 
I was so nervous. I recorded. I was like, hey, Tim, you mind if I record this? He's like, yeah, no problem. So I recorded because like, I just wanted to capture the moment. The first business book I ever read, the guy I've been emailing every year with an update of my life. And I built these venture back companies. And, he, and then finally, he wants my advice. It blew my mind. Like, I don't know, Travis, like I'm still in awe of the life I get to live because it's just, you know, remembering the headspace I was in. Like you said, it's like the headspace I was in when I was in my 20s learning about business. And now I have a whole bookshelf in my library, in my house. That's all my friends who authored those books, like literally 150 books. I know every one of those people, those are my peers, you know, like it just, that's just crazy. Yeah. That's such an awesome, awesome testimony as well. Uh, One thing I want to point out there is you've clearly been somebody, Dan, who is not afraid to reinvent yourself at any point along the journey. When you come up against an obstacle that the past version of you didn't know how to overcome, you, instead of turning around and going the other way, you decide to reinvent yourself and become the person that is capable of going past that obstacle. Can you talk a little bit into that for a second? And if that's a mindset that you cultivated on purpose and how can other people learn from that? I mean, Trevor, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that the person I am today is 100% the byproduct of all the great authors that shared their wisdom. And along that journey, I read something to the fact that, you know, you need to become the person who can deal with those problems. So the argument was, life doesn't get better. And this is a quote, it's like, or life doesn't get easier, you get better. Then it was just a logical, like, I'm a little bit of a systems thinker and nerdy on that side. So I was like, okay, well, if this is my goal in business, right? So maybe it was a million dollars, right? So a million dollars in revenue, I need to become the person who actually understands how to build and manage a million dollar business. So there's a huge gap between where I'm at today and understanding how to build and run and manage a million dollar business. So I have a whole lot of catching up to do. And then it just kept like that same process of, you know, I need to become the person who can deal. So it's like, you keep adding zeros. I always tell my, I coach a lot of clients. I always say, just add another zero. And they're like, what do you mean? It's like, don't talk about thousand dollars a month and ad spend. Let's talk about 10,000. They're like, whoa, I wouldn't even know how to do that. I know that's the gap. Yeah. So let's focus on 10,000. Let's figure out the skills that need to be in, you know, inserted in there and we'll get there. And guess what? When you get to 10, we're going to add another zero. And it's just, to me, that's just the way I've approached life. And I always joke with friends that, you know, if they hadn't seen me in a while, I always say, I say, Hey, let me reintroduce myself. My name's Dan because mm-hmm. my growth game is strong and I am not the Dan that you knew a year ago. And I'm definitely not the guy, like I still have high school friends that like, see some press stuff in the news and reach out on Facebook. And they're like, Oh my God, Dan, I remember this and that. And I'm just like, dude, I'm not that person you remember. Just let you know, like, just can't relate. I get it though. I get where they're coming from. It's just not me. And guess what? I still feel like there's so much for me to do. So I have this whole manifesto. I, I, the beauty of building a personal brand, I think one of the biggest benefits is the amount of crystallization around your ideas you have to kind of come up with. So like being forced to really think about like, how did you succeed, you know? Yeah. And what was that repeatable process that other people can follow? So one of the exercises I did with this incredible person, I think her name was April. I totally, luckily I wrote it on the page. So if you go to danmartel.com forward slash manifesto, and it's essentially in my garage in front of my, you know, I drive a orange supercar in the garage. It's on the wall. So like the manifesto is something I extracted from probably five years ago. And on there, one of the 18 things is become the person who can deal. And it's, it's that principle, right? And this, these are like, what does it mean to be a Martell? I have two little boys, seven and eight years old, Max and Noah. And we talk about this all the time. It's what are our values as a family? Renee and I, my wife, we have values for our family. We have principles that we live into. 
And, you know, growth mindset, I just think it doesn't even encapsulate, you know, like, yes, growth versus fix. No, it's like growth and then another level. It's like mm, yeah. knowing that there needs to be a challenge and who you are today. If you were enough, you would have already had it, but you don't. So there's a gap. And that's just the big idea I think people need to, to understand around that. Yeah. And it's such an amazing conversation that we could get into a lot more. But since this is Build Your Network, I kind of want to go down a little bit of the networking relationships type conversation. We've already touched on it a couple of times. And that's typically what happens in these interviews because anybody that's seen a certain level of success in their life has at some point come to terms with the fact that relationships are a necessary part of that. So this is the question that I ask everybody that comes on the show to get that conversation moving in the right direction. Who you know or what you know, Dan? Which of those two is more important and why? Who you know, and I'll tell you why. One person can compress a decade into today's, honestly, of advice. And then I would say what you know is how you remain interesting to those people. I love that. So who you know gets you... Way more important. The knowledge I can fast track any outcome if I can get the right person who's been to where I've gone and let them take 20 years of experience, compress it into hours, if not days. And then the how, like what you know is important, but only relation to you continuously to invest in yourself so you're relevant and, and interesting to people so that the who, Matt, like they'll want to spend time with you. If you're a complete doofus, those people don't want to spend time with you. You're going to squander the opportunity that you've got. You're, you're going to peter out real quick if you've got nothing to talk about to those kind of people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't hang with people at a certain level if you don't level up. You got to bring something to the table. Yeah, sure. Love to hear stories about these types of things, Dan. So if you can just pull out the archive in your brain for a second, think about a story where you met somebody at some random thing didn't think anything of it. And then maybe that person led to maybe a connection or an opportunity or something big that happened for you. I'm going to share two. I know we're short on time, but one is I organized these founders dinners and I invited a guy that just moved from New York, didn't know him. I just like randomly, literally eight people. I moved to San Francisco and I was organizing these all the time. And I meet this guy, Dan, don't see him, but we meet, you know, internet friends for three years after the fact. And then one day he invites me to spend a week with Richard Branson. Like can't make this stuff up. And I'm not saying like spend 50 grand to hang out with him. Like cost me nothing other than fly there. It was his house in Switzerland. And I thought it was like total, like this can't make sense. Like my brain couldn't compute how a guy from Eastern Canada growing up in my city, like it just, till I saw Richard walk through in the living room and across and I was just like, okay, this is crazy. Yeah, still crazy. skeptical Don't the whole time. Stupid. Yeah. Oh, I was yeah, like- Waiting for the like, timeshare presentation or something. Literally, it's like the co-founder of Square, Tim Ferriss, and all these other international people. Wow. And the reason why is because this guy, Dan, who ended up raising money from Richard and Richard asked him to organize this uh, ski trip in Switzerland, appreciated the fact that he was a new person to the city, didn't know a soul. I invited him to dinner. And at that dinner, he ended up meeting his co-founder that they started this business that Richard invested in. Wow. And he'd follow me on the internet and just saw kind of what I was up to and just appreciated it enough to send the invite. So that's a big story. I think fascinating. And then the second one is we're building this company Flowtown and we're, we had a company reach out to acquire us. We didn't really want to sell. We didn't know how to run a process. And I reached out to this guy, Tim Young and Tim, I met briefly through a friend named Heaton Shaw one time, two years prior. And I know he just sold his company to VMware. He built the company called Social Cast. And I said, Tim, we're in a process. We don't really know how to run it. You know, do you mind sitting down or getting on a call quick so I can like kind of reverse engineer? And he not only did he invite my co-founder, Ethan, and I to sit down with them, but he spent an hour and a half in the boardroom on a whiteboard drawing it out. And that conversation probably got us a three times return on the exit. 
So I mean, multi-million dollar byproduct of 10 minute, like it's just, I can literally trace back all these, and I call them force, force multipliers, like these step functions of growth in my life. There were byproducts of these off the cuff conversations with people that just for whatever reason you connected, there was meaning there, you maintained it and you never know how it's going to play out. That right there is the exact reason that we started the show here, Dan, because I wanted just to prove to people that it's worth your time to take on purpose, scheduled, budgeted networking time. Like that is worth your time to do that. And it's sometimes difficult to convince people because there's no real tangible ROI, right? Like it's not like developing a software where there's a product at the end of it. It's not like taking a sales training where you can look at your bottom line and increase it based on your sales stats that you knew before. It's not one of those things. It's very abstract and something that you can't really, you can't really, you know, bring down into the dirt. But that's yeah, why there's I like hearing no like funnel that. conversion metrics that you're monitoring. It's like, yeah. It's, right. You have to have blind faith. Like it's, there's trust, a trust yeah. in the process. So many good things here, Dan. I, I wish we had a little bit more time, but uh, we do not. So I want to move into the last segment here. Something I like to call the random round. Just a few quick random questions, quick random answers. Ready? Yep. What profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? I think a lot about this. Industrial design. I think building physical products for humans that better their daily life I think is probably, I mean, software in many ways kind of embodies that, but there's something about that that I think I don't get the physical tactile feel with software as much that I, that I do miss. And anytime I've, you know, I'm an investor in a company, Pila, that does phone cases made out of a biopolymer. So it's not plastic. It's this flaxseed stuff. And like, just, it's neat that they built a thing that people like play with, you know? So anyways, that's what I do. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and chat for an hour, who would it be? I would probably say today, Dan Martell of today, because again, growth game is strong. Today would be Robert F. Smith. He's the founder and CEO of Vista Private Equity. It's a $50 billion, the largest fund, investment fund in the world for B2B SaaS. So obviously there's that correlation, but he's also the wealthiest African-American in the US. He is an incredible human being. He donates millions of dollars every year to charities. He paid the graduating class of his alma mater just paid off all their college tuition. I mean, it's just, he's fascinating on so many levels that I just, like if I had an hour, I would come incredibly prepared and try to uh, extract his principles. Like that's the thing. Like he has a way of looking at the world that I would love to understand the perspective. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? If it was like trying to learn something, it's it's person to person. I can, I've gotten really good at just, if I need an outcome, find out who's done it and just reverse engineer. And uh, I like to get into the nuance. Other than that, I would say I like courses. And the reason why is usually the course creators spend a lot of time thinking about the mental model they're using to educate. So it's a lot faster and more meaty than a book. I feel like books, honestly, just secret, skip the first two chapters, get to the third. Third is where it actually gives the meat. And then you can decide if you need more. You can literally get 80% of a book's value out of the third chapter. And again, my friends are authors and I love them all, but that's the truth. Their keynotes are usually the exact same content. So yeah, so I would say courses, then videos, person conversations always the best but i still like the books cuz there's you know i feel like it's an investment in honoring the process of self education give us a glimpse of your morning routine i'm a very structured person in all aspects of my life so my morning routine 
wake up 5 a.m. every day. I wear a Gore ring to measure my sleep. Drink one of these first thing. So about a liter of water, because I think most people are dehydrated. So a liter of water, meditation, move my body. So push-ups, sit-ups, air squats. I then review kind of vision board, kind of like long-term, where am I going? So I have a, a, an Evernote file. And then I also look at my quarterly goals, review some of the personal professional quarterly goals. And then I review my calendar to make sure that my day is aligned with where I need to go. And then I read 10 pages of a book. So it's an hour and it's incredibly boom, 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 boom. Like I'm actually like kind of um, a robot in the morning because I, I want to get through it. I only have an hour and there's a lot to get into, but that's my morning. What is your go-to pump up song? Oh, there's a great song. There's a bunch. I, I'm old school skateboarder hip hop. So I, I love some Linkin Park and some Jay-Z collab. That's probably my favorite album. If you guys want to Google that, you probably never heard it. It's awesome. But I would say Axwell and Ingrosso has a song called Dream Bigger. And when I'm backcountry snowboarding, if you play that song, I'm about to huck a clip. Like I will launch myself off of anything if that song's playing. <laughs> and okay, putting business aside here, just general life, what is something that you are just not very good at? I would say I'm just not as empathetic as I would really love to be. And it's something I work on my morning routine. I actually write, I am empathetic. I am empathetic. I am empathetic. And the reason why is like, I'm just so driven and so systems thinking that I forget about the emotional side of it. And it's not like I don't have any EQ. I would argue I have incredible EQ, but the empathetic version of that, my buddy, I have a friend, Martel Latulip, he's a French Tony Robbins. And that guy, he's like a 100 out of 10 on the empathy level. So I spent a lot of time with him to kind of just like, try to understand how he, again, what lens does he view the world that allows him to naturally be that? So I would say that's definitely, if you ask my wife, she'd probably say that's the thing I'm not good at. And as we get everything wrapped up here, Dan, what is the one place where you want listeners to connect with you the most? Well, I would say if you want to see the behind the scenes of my crazy life, Instagram stories is where you're going to find that. If you want to have the most fun with me right now, I will say TikTok because I've kind of built an audience on TikTok, about 400,000 followers, and I'm not dancing in a crop top. So that's the thing that's most fascinating well, to me I'm is out. how do... I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no woes, you know, whatever that is. But um, I do my best. TikTok's my new fun little place, even though I know the Chinese government's spying on me, et cetera, et cetera. That's, I would say, but just Google my name, literally YouTube top channel for SaaS. And I, I put out so much content. I have a whole team. It's fun. I literally just send them stuff and they clip it and put it out there. I follow a good amount of people online, but there are a few people who I pay close attention to when they post. And guys, I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to Dan right now. Dan is one of those people. So make sure to go consume some of the stuff that he's putting out there. He puts out some amazing, amazing content, really actionable, really practical but also motivational, inspirational, inspirational at times, especially if you're in the SaaS. Business. I have two podcasts. Sorry, Charlie, I was going to say that because I know podcasts. So I've got two podcasts, Growth Stacking Show and Escape Velocity Show. Both of them have been top list, top 10 list for Growth Stacking Show is more business. Escape Velocity is interview. And um, I have a lot of fun producing those. So wherever you like to consume content, Instagram or TikTok or podcasts, Dan is putting stuff out there. So just go search Dan Martell on your favorite platform. Go connect with him. Reach out. Tell him you heard about him here on the show. Dan, thank you so much for coming on today. My man, I had a fantastic time chatting with you. Travis, more time next time. I had so many more stories. Love to do a part two if there's ever an opportunity. And thanks a lot for the, uh, for the chance to share. Well, that's it for today's show. 
If you want more advanced networking strategies, as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls, there's accountability crews and more, all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's byninnercircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We'll see you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.